Welcome back to Toxic to Triumph. My name is Matthew Pfeiffer. I am your host and I am happy to be here. And today we are talking about trust issues, not just trust issues, how to heal with them, how to heal them, how to deal with them. It's very common for people who are coming out of a toxic relationship to have trust issues, but it's not just because of our toxic relationships that we might have trust issues. We might have trust issues from childhood. It's a common childhood wound that someone might have trust issues. And so regardless of where the trust issues come from, we have to understand that, guess what? They can be developed. They can't trust, can be developed. Trust can be healed. And we have to understand that it not only is it common, but it is very normal to have trust issues. The issue is not the actual issues of trust. The issue is not dealing with them when we begin to acknowledge them. And because one of the things that you're going to start to understand as we go through the process is that there's a lot of side effects to having trust issues, right? When we have trust, is we're, trust issues, we're focused too much on our insecurities. We're tr focused too much on the pain. And we'll talk about that as we get going. And the problem is, is that when we're focused on that, guess what? Sometimes it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and we end up either pushing people out of our lives, regardless if we're talking about a romantic partner or if we're talking about kids or whatever the type of relationship, because these trust issues typically come out in other ways, in other relationships and other, other dynamics as well. So with that being said, let's get into this. So trust issues. Uh, so there's a study that was shown that in the last 10 years, there has been a rise in the mistrust of partners. Shocker, right? When we think about the last 10 years, shocker at the fact that in the last 10 years that there has been a steady rise in mistrust of partners. Why is that? Why would there be an, a steady and a dramatic increase in mistrust? Obviously because of technology, because now we have access to each other. We have access to one another. We have access to our partners. And when quite often if we have trust issues and if we have a lack of access, guess what? All of a sudden that can create uh, a mistrust in our partner. Uh, we also have access, guess what? To guess to who? Exes, coworkers, crushes, to be able to stalk other people's Facebook pages and other people's Instagram pages. And so e even though technology has been a blessing to us and it has, gives us access and, and gives us access to information. It allows us for us to actually develop trust as well, because we, on the flip side, we can actually, it can actually help develop trust with one another. And, and it helps us stay in contact with people who we do trust. And it allows for a pattern of consistency to develop trust with one another. We also have to acknowledge that it also can be a curse. Now, in my opinion, this mistrust that we might have in, in other people because of the technology, all it really does is illuminate who someone actually is. I don't believe that technology created mistrust in people or created the problem. I think technology, in my personal opinion, illuminated who certain people actually are. We're going to be talking about that a little bit today because we have to acknowledge that sometimes when we mistrust someone, when we look back at certain people that may have caused trust issues within ourselves, whether we're talking about a romantic partner, a family member, or a friend, there was typically some hints early on that we 
should not have trusted that person to begin with. So we're going to talk about how we can take some of our trust issues, some of our mistrust that we may have had, and some of the patterns that we might see in the beginning, and actually begin to trust our instincts and how that can play a part in, in developing a good, healthy level of trust with people too. So let's get into this a little bit. So number one, the first way that we need to be able to handle and deal and heal trust issues is to be present in the moment. And I can't stress this enough. And it's important for us to be present in the moment. Quite often, when we're dealing with trust issues, we are thinking outside of ourselves and we're thinking outside of the moment. We're worried about where other people are, what other people are doing. We need to ask ourselves in that present moment, are my reactions aligned with reality? Are my actions aligned with reality? Or am I overreacting? And that's something that, that's something that we need to look at ourselves. Did my partner come back five minutes late and now am I overreacting because now I think this person was cheating because they're now five minutes late? Did they contact? Did they, or am I overreacting or does, do things really kind of just make sense? We also need, when we talk about being in the present, we need to know that sometimes our emotions can get the best of us. As much as I talk about being present with our emotions, it's important that we process our emotions. Our emotions can get the best of us. And it's important that we don't have emotional reactions that we process, right? Why we feel certain ways. Why do we feel the way that we do? What happened? What's going on? Because when we react emotionally without processing those emotions, let's talk about anger for a second. Let's say that someone has, has, has angered us. We have every right to feel the way that we do. And at the same time, when we talk about our feelings and our emotions, unprocessed emotions can come from a variety of, of areas. Right? We might be angry at our partner because we're triggered about something that may have happened to us in the past. For example, your partner comes home, like I'm going to use coming home late as an example again. They may have genuine, let's say that we're, let's talk about healthy relationships for a second. Let's throw out narcissism, let's throw out toxic relationships, but you are now triggered because of a previous relationship. So your partner is late, late coming home because they worked overtime, they had a flat tire, something and it was genuine it was genuine it really did actually happen however that was those were excuses that were used from previous partner when they cheated you are going to have an emotional reaction and this these mistrust cues might come up you're going to wonder Right? Because of this trigger and because of these emotional reactions. And if you react emotionally without processing that emotion, without actually staying in that present moment and asking yourself and actually going through the details of, is this person truthful? Has this person, does this person have a pattern of being honest or dishonest? Has this person created a scenario right, of mistrust or trust? Right? We possibly could react in an unhealthy way. Or on the flip side, right, staying, because when we talk about trust, someone could have broken our trust, and we also need to be present with that mistrust 
to know that maybe we need to sniff this road a little bit and see what, what the hell is going on. Being in the present moment, we also need to ask ourselves, am I expecting the worst? Do I feel like this person consistently has one foot out the door? Here's the reason why. If we are expecting what we, uh, there's an old saying that what we fear will happen and what we look at will change. What we fear will happen and what we, what we look at will change. If we think that, if we're expecting the worst to happen and we are uh, in a hypervigilant state and we're just expecting and we're waiting, waiting, waiting for that person to cheat or we're waiting for that person to leave and ghost us because that's been our previous history or we have a fear of abandonment or we've, we have uh, a fear of rejection and so we're just waiting for that moment to happen. We are going to act and we are going to treat that partner as if those things are currently happening because we are expecting the worst. So every little thing, that every little detail, when we have, when we're coming from a place of mistrust, because, and I'm, I'm going to come, you're going to hear me say this multiple different times that mistrust, when we have uh, uh, trust issues, is coming from a place where we are focused on pain. When we're focused on pain and insecurity, we begin to treat that person as if they have already done it or they are about to do it. Well, guess what? If someone has no ill intent, and let's just talk about healthy partners and things like that for a second eventually you are going to cause that, you're going to push that person away. Creating a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, what happens? Now you start to say and you start to think things, you start to go into your implicit bias that all men are the same, all women are the same. I knew this, right? I knew that this was about to happen. I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to ghost. I was just preparing for it, right? However, that may not have ever been that person's intent, right? But when we're expecting the worst, quite often we create the worst. When we're talking about the present moment, we also need to be self-aware of your own insecurities. Quite a, with pe people who struggle with trust issues, quite often they struggle with, with suppressing their emotions. Right? Notice how I've brought up a couple of emotions, a couple of situations with emotions, right? It's very important that we are present with our emotions, and be self and to be as self-aware of our insecurities, to be self-aware that I might be afraid, that I am afraid that someone is going to step out on me. I'm afraid that someone might cheat, that I am afraid of these type of situations and these type of scenarios. The reason why is because quite often when we suppress it and we try to mask our insecurities, that makes things, that makes matters worse. We need to bring our insecurities up to the surface up to the surface. And one of the things that we have to understand when we talk about people who are confident versus people who are truly actually insecure, people who are confident, guess what? They have insecurities too. Let, let's, let's cut to the chase. We have to understand that literally every single person that you, the most confident person that you know, I don't care if it's an actor, actress, or a friend or family member, the most confident person that you know, guess what? They have same or similar insecurities that you do. They have their own insecurities that they have to address too. So then what the hell is the difference between someone who is insecure and someone who is confident? The difference between the two is that people who are confident don't allow for their insecurities to overwhelm them. They bring them up to the surface. They address them. They, they know they're self-aware of those, of those issues, and they either have provide support or they have that some sort of system to provide the support necessary for those insecurities or 
uh, they look to, to other people for sources of support. And this is what needs to happen with your insecurities. Quite often people have that mistake of trying to bury them deep. There's an analogy that I love to, to talk about. I've learned through my healing my own trauma, I've learned a lot through nature. I spend a lot of time in nature close to every morning, every morning that I possibly can get out in nature. And one of the things that you learn about nature when it comes to trees is that trees, people think, and even when we were growing up, when we were in school, a tree, we would see a diagram of a tree and we would see the roots of a tree. And we would see the roots of those trees going deep down into the earth. And we were taught, we were actually mistaught, this is not true of trees, that the, or partially true, let me, let me rephrase that, half truth, that the roots were the anchor for the tree, right? And they would pull the nutrients from the earth. And all those things are partially true, but the diagram that they, that they exposed us to had the tree going deep down into the earth, and quite often the, the, it would go deep down as far as the tree would go up, or at least part of the way down as it would go up. That's not true. Trees, and I'm going somewhere with this, trees actually keep their roots up closer to the surface. Not only do they keep the, the roots up close to the surface, the roots actually reach out sideways, not down, right? There's a couple of anchoring roots that do go down, right, to keep the tree in place, but, they, but for the most part, they stay up closer to the surface and they reach out. Here's the reason why. They stay up close to the surface because roots need air. Roots need oxygen. Right, it needs the that roots need to be able to breathe. Right, and it helps the tree, and it helps it helps the tree breathe, and helps the tree with oxygen as well. And it reaches out sideways to reach out to other trees for support. So trees that are in a forest, guess what? They are able to reach out and connect with one another. They do this for two different reasons. Number one, they're able to share nutrients. Number two, they're able to, to provide support for one another. It's, straight, it's interesting that that really speaks to your insecurities as well. Instead of reaching down, instead of suppressing your insecurities, guess what? We need to bring those up to the surface. We need to be aware of them. Bring them up to the surface for oxygen the same way that a tree would. We need to, instead of acting like and pretending like we're not, in, we're not insecure because we want to appear like we're confident, we actually need to be confident and be aware of our insecurities and reach our insecurities out to other people, healthy people, right? Why do I, why do I put an emphasis on healthy people? Because you need to supply each other nutrients and support the same way that a tree would. And by doing this, guess what? You are going to develop good, healthy, emotional intelligence, number one. But also, number two, you're going to develop trust. Trust in other people. Right? Because you have to be able to trust yourself before you can trust other people. And when you provide and when you're able to deal with your insecurities, guess what? You're going to be, you have a certain level of trust for yourself that maybe you previously didn't have. You don't have to be perfect, right? But you do need, need to be able to trust yourself with your insecurities and be able to uh, find a support system for the times that times get difficult. Number two, second way that we need to 
deal with and heal our insecurities is we need to learn healthy levels of communication. We need to learn to communicate better. Right, we need to learn how to communicate without being defensive. We need to learn how to communicate without being defensive. It's very common for people to get very defensive in situations when they are focused on the pain, when they're focused on their insecurities. In the minute, because let's talk about healthy relationships for a second. Healthy relationships require open communication, open dialogue about times and about situations that may not may not feel very good all the time. It's important for your partner to be able to come up with and to be able to address issues with you and address situations that are going on. And if we get defensive, right, what happens is that we are actually shutting down our partner. We're not listening to our partner. We're not taking constructive criticism. And what happens is that with us being on guard, guess what? We actually again, become a self-fulfilling prophecy by not listening and by not addressing our, your partner. It's going to feel unheard, unappreciated, misunderstood, and has the potential, right, to cause and go in and, and do the thing, the very thing that you're afraid of happening, leaving. Right? So we have to, also when we're talking about learning to communicate, we have to try to understand where the person is coming from. We have to try to understand. One of the things I tell people is to try to try to find where the other person is actually correct. Right? Try to find where the other person is actually correct. Because when we find where the other person is correct, and, and you may have heard a, a quote from Stephen Covey who wrote the book um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Right? And one of the things that he says is to seek to understand first before trying to be understood. Try to understand where the other person is coming from first. Right? And the reason why this is so important is that when we understand where the other person is coming from, and when we find, or, and if we're able to find some sort of compromise between us and them, it creates a very different dynamic where now the, the level of communication that we're coming from is solutions-based communication rather than taking a stance and trying to come from a defensive position where if, if I'm 100% if I'm right, the other person is 100% wrong, they're also going to be, become defensive. There's going to be more inward, there's going to be more fighting between the two people, which is going to cause, guess what? Surprise, more trust issues because there's fighting and because neither person is willing to budge on their position, guess what? When you leave the conversation, what's going to happen? You're not going to feel very good, comfortable, or confident about that relationship or situation, and you're going to leave there knowing that there's no resolution. So what's happening? Guess what? More trust issues. It's funny how applying self-love to, to yourself and to relationships develops better trust within yourself and also more trust with other people. You're going to start to see a theme here. Right? We also need to, when we're learning how to communicate, we need to ask yourself if there is an actual threat or if you are aligning with an insecurity. When we're talking about trust issues, we, we're not going to be ignorant of the fact that someone could actually be violating our trust. 
right? The reality of, of it is, is there that someone could actually be violating our trust. And so one of the things that you're going to learn about healthy levels of communication without being defensive and actually understanding, right? And so a lot of times people think that this makes them weak and more susceptible to trust issues. And it actually, I'm going to make an argument that it does not. Because the better, more firm, more direct level of communication, and when you are not re- reacting out of emotion the way that we were talking about earlier, you're going to start to notice a difference between people who are trustworthy and people who are at an actual threat. People who are a threat, guess what? They're going to start talking in circles. It's not going to make very much sense. And when you know within yourself that you're applying good, healthy level, you've studied, you've researched, you've worked on your level of communication, you're a great listener, right? And you know that you're applying good, healthy levels levels of communication. It's going to shine a bright light on people who are creating or or where there's an actual threat to your trust, right? But when, we, when we're also very self-aware and we're applying good, healthy levels of communication, guess what? We're also going to be able to know the difference if certain things are just aligning with our insecurity and maybe we are um, in a hyper-vigilant state. Number three, when we're talking about healing from our trust issues, is that it's important that you are direct about your needs. You are direct about your needs. We have to understand that people are not mind readers. Notice what's happening here with the, the theme here is that we're looking for consistency, not only with the other person, but within ourselves. It's important that you present yourself in any relationship as a consistent person, right? Not perfect, but consistent. Because if you know within yourself and you trust that you are bringing consistency to this relationship, guess what? All you, at that point, all you have to do is look for consistency or discrepancies in the other person's behavior, then guess what? It's easy to, de- to, ma- to decipher and filter whether or not this person is trustworthy or not. So this goes along the lines with that theme of consistency. You need to be direct about your needs. Not aggressive, not passive aggressive, but direct. Understanding that your partner and people that you're in a relationship with are not mind readers, right? They can't guess. And the problem here is that when we think and we assume and we have this unreason- unrealistic expectation that people can have the ability to read our mind, guess what? It's going to lead to inconsistency. And quite often when we have this unreal- unrealistic expectation that people can read our mind or as a lot of people put it, they should just know. They should just know what to do. They should just know how to do this. They should just know how to love me. They should, and we take the responsibility of ourselves to communicate our needs appropriately to the other person. What happens is that it's going to lead to a lot of inconsistency, even if they mean well. It's going to lead to a lot of your needs being met inconsistently, which, guess what? Guess what happens all of a sudden? Surprise, you become very insecure about the relationship. It's a two-way street, right? We also have a responsibility to communicate our needs and communicate the things that we need from, need and want from our partner. Dropping hints will not work. Dropping hints, and they should, they should just know, will set you up for failure, right? To develop trust, you have to be open and you have to be honest. People have trust issues because of their fear of getting hurt 
the fear. You're focused in on the fear. Right? Trust issues are a focus on the pain and not overcoming the pain. Right? We, to have trust, we need to understand right, that getting hurt is actually a part of growing. So the trust issues that you actually might have because of a previous pain, we need to look at healing that pain. And one of the ways that we look at back at healing that pain is that we look back at taking some responsibility, right? Not in a victim blaming type of way, but we look back and we start putting those pieces back together. Quite often we look back at those situations and those circumstances, right? If whether we're dating a narcissist or you may have dated someone who cheated, maybe non-narcissistic, but they cheated, right? You look back at certain situations and here's the reason why we have trust issues and the reason why we have also resentment quite often with the trust issues. Because a little bit, small part of you inside, if we're being honest with ourselves, you knew it. You knew it, right? How many people say that? And how many people acknowledge that? And, and, you know, with a lot of people I've worked with, and I challenge them on that when I hear people saying, I had no idea that they were capable of doing these things. And you may have been shocked. You may have been surprised when you heard the news. And I'm using cheating as an example because it's so common. We're talking about trust issues, but trust issues can be in a variety of uh, different settings and senses, right? But we have to understand that quite often, you know, right? And that's a very uncomfortable conversation to have with people that, that you knew something was up or you knew that this person was capable of this or, you know, you, you may have, they may have actually cheated, when you were actually married and uh, several years down the line, but you knew because when you guys were dating, this person was over, overly flirtatious. You remember them passing a number off to someone. You, I'm just throwing out some examples. Whatever your situation was, they didn't actually cheat, but they, you know, they laughed it off or they made some excuses. But then you look back at those moments and you're like, I knew right then that this person was capable of these things. And so when we look back at those, those moments and we, we were in pain and we were afraid of dealing, listen, listen, this is very important. We look, at, we look back at those moments and we think about that. You were trying to, you were focused on the pain of not leaving that relationship. Think about that. You were, you were trying to avoid pain and you were trying to, you were focused on your pain of possibly breaking up with this person and should I quote unquote rock the boat. Then down the line, you look back and you're like, I knew it. I should have known and I should have left back then. Quite often, the trust issues that we have are the focus on you not feeling pain. When we allow for certain dynamics to happen and we trust our instincts and when we begin to process our emotions and we allow, we accept people for who they are, all of a sudden, right, that short-term pain that you may have felt and accepted in the beginning, most likely would have alleviated the long-term trust issues that you experienced. I think we're on part four. You need to, and this goes really hand in hand, goes well with what we were just talking about. You need to allow people to show you who they are. You need to allow for people to show you who they are. We want relationships to be easy. And quite often we, we rush the beginning of relationships. We need to be patient and spend time getting to know people, especially this day and age, just like we were talking about in the beginning, that there's a lot of people who are meeting online these days. Guess what? You don't know them. 
quite often people meet people online. I tell people that that first time you meet someone, when you just met them online, you, did, you had no idea who they were before, that's not a first date. You don't, you don't know who that person is. You just met. It takes time to develop trust. It takes time, right? As a matter of fact, uh, I've been talking a lot in my lives on TikTok about the different phases of dating. And people are, 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 were shocked when I told them how long the honeymoon phase lasts. The honeymoon late phase lasts between six and 12 months. Forget about love bombing. Forget about all of those type of things when we're talking about love bombing and, and all the toxic behavior when we're um, with narcissists. Just honeymoon phase and begin, to begin with lasts six to 12 months. And then we enter into what's called doubting phase between another 12 to 24 months. You don't even know the person until that point. So it takes time. You need to allow for trusted trust to develop within people. Right? When people have trust issues, they often look, they're looking for perfection because they're so afraid of being hurt. Right? You're looking for the perfect partner. Quite often, even that, right? you're setting yourself up for failure because guess what? No one's perfect. So then when you find out this person is not perfect, guess what? Now all of a sudden, here come back, here come the issues and the, the trust issues and the insecurities all over again. We need to be patient and allow for people to show us who they are. And we need to understand and we need to look at and accept people's flaws. Understanding people's flaws actually allow for a deeper sense of trust. We need to allow for a deeper level of, ex of experience with people. Here's the reason why. Because if we know that someone is capable or someone is headed down, a, we know that a flaw of theirs is to be aggressive when they don't get their way, right? We can trust, right? We can trust that this person, right, is someone that we don't want in our life. If we know that this person engages in a lot of deal-breaking behavior, boundary-breaking, not listening, being disrespectful, we can trust that we need to end this relationship. On the, other, on the other side, let's say that this person's flaws are not deal-breaking type of flaws and they're more negotiable type of flaws, then guess what? We can trust that, yeah, things aren't going to be perfect with this person, but we can trust that they have our best interest and the best interest of the relationship and possible kids and that sort of thing in mind. We're on part five. You need, if you want to develop trust issues, you need to rock the boat. There's a lot of people who struggle with the thought of not wanting to be the villain in the relationship. Be the villain. Rock the boat. Rock the damn boat. Right? Rather than sitting back and not having open-ended discussions, have open-ended discussions, have open-ended conversations, that allow for disagreements. You have to understand that there are no two people that are alike, period. No two people that are alike. And as, as much as we might be in love with someone, as much as we might uh, have a lot of things in common and that sort of thing, we have to understand that even in a healthy, in a healthy relationship, disagreements are going to happen and they need to happen. And what happens, what's interesting about disagreements, and the reason why this actually helps develop trust is that you're actually getting 
and I'm talking about healthy disagreements. I'm not talking about toxic, uh, toxic behavior where there's gaslighting and things like that. But when a person is very being, being very genuine and authentic about the disagreements that they disagree with their, with your position about something. And they're looking for, uh, looking for good, solid solutions within that relationship it actually allows for a deeper level of trust at the fact that you know that this person is being authentic, even to a point where they will disagree with you. They're not just, uh, they're not just telling you what you want to hear. When you experience people that are just telling you what you want to hear, guess what that also does, right? It creates trust issues. There's a feeling within yourself when you know that someone is just telling you what you want to hear to shut you up or telling you what you want to hear. Uh, to try to keep the relationship alive because they don't want to deal with the breakup and that sort of thing, that's not good either. So we need to be okay with disagreeing with people if we want to develop, if we want to heal our trust issues. We need to allow for those disagreements because guess what? We can't trust people. It's, not, it's, not, uh, it's difficult to trust people when you know that they're just telling you what you want to hear. So we need to learn to be okay with others viewing things differently than what we do. We also need to embrace our fears. Confront your fears. Decide if your fears are holding you back. Right? Because what happens is that th these type of things will, will create self-doubt. So thank you guys very much for participating and for listening to Toxic to Triumph. I hope that this lesson on trust issues and dealing with and healing trust issues has been helpful for you. I hope that it is something that can be a new guide for you that you can apply some new principles that are going to help with your trust issues that are going to help with your relationships, your future relationships, and maybe even develop even more positive relationships with the ones that you currently have, whether it be with your kids, with a new significant other, uh, with a current significant other. And with that being said, thank you guys very much. I will talk to you guys next week. This has been absolutely fantastic. Once again, my name is Matthew Pfeiffer. This is Toxic to Triumph. With that being said, I will talk to you guys next week. Mm -hmm.